Hey there! Welcome to Imperfectly Pollyanna, a podcast where we have real and honest talk while finding the positive in the imperfections, whether in homeschool, faith, health, or overall life. I am your host, Courtney, a faith filled homeschool mom of two, certified health coach, medical professional, and eternal optimist. Have you ever had any time in your life where you were so stressed out or you were worried or anxious about something or maybe you were angry and you went to the fridge or you drove through your local fast food joint and grabbed it, not even thinking, or maybe you were thinking, you were making an actual choice of, I am so angry right now, I'm so stressed out, I'm so anxious that all I can think about is just eating some food. I didn't realize for a long time that I was an emotional eater until I really started paying attention to what I was eating. And then I realized that every time I got anxious, every time I got stressed out, every time I thought, you know, I would have memories trigger from the past and I would become upset. And what did I do? I went to the store and I grabbed Hershey Kisses, M&Ms, Reese's Cups, ice cream, pizza, all the things. I... I am a sweets person. I can't help it. I love chocolate. I don't like candy. I like chocolate. And whenever I realized that, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with that realization. And then, you know, through the course of time, I did find ways to combat it, I should say. Not to say that I'm always perfect, because let's face it, as a woman, we still have those times of the month, unless you're past that time of your life. Congratulations, by the way, if you are. But there are those times of the month that we crave it. And maybe you're a savory person, whatever your vice may be. But for me, it's sweets. And I have learned ways to combat that with like water and exercise and changing what I'm focusing on or talking it out. Or now I get to podcast. And so it's kind of therapeutic, if I'm honest. But Emotional eating is a real thing for a lot of people, and I know that it is for me. And so whenever I met my guest that's here with me today, I was like, this could not have come at a better time. I met Kat Sharp on the internet. I know you're shocked once again. (laughs) But if you've ever struggled or if you know someone that has ever struggled with emotional eating or binge eating anything like that, this is really going to touch your spirit. And maybe you're someone that you've not struggled with that. You've got it under control, but maybe your vice is something else. And I am not here to judge you. I have no idea what it is that's going on in your life that this might relate to. But I can tell you right now that you're going to want to stick around because Kat's story is incredible. And her words of wisdom are ones that you can take with you literally in any of life's situations. After decades of yo-yo dieting, emotional eating, and binging, Kat Sharp stopped seeking answers in the world and started seeking them in God's word. As a result, Kat has lost over 100 pounds and became a certified life coach with a passion for helping women who love Jesus break the diet cycle and find peace and health in their bodies with the word of God. She believes that the principles of taking care of our physical bodies are beautiful, many representations of the concepts of discipleship. She loves to zoom out with her clients to see the bigger picture of what glorifying God in our bodies truly means. Kat is a Jesus-loving, worship-singing movie geek who has never fully grown up. She loves coffee, all things bright and silly, and wonders why Christmas lights aren't socially acceptable year-round. She lives in Southeast Missouri with her husband, And between them, they have three adult daughters and with their first grandbaby on the way. Kat serves at our local church as assistant music director, praise team member, and teacher. Welcome, Kat. I'm so, so excited to have you here. I just feel like we clicked immediately whenever we were first getting to know each other. And I know that you've got a wealth of information and a true heart for inspiring and helping women. So I'm not going to talk too much right now. I just want you to get started. And if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling our listeners a little bit about your story and how you came to where you are now, whenever it comes to emotional eating and et cetera. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. Like you said, I had so much fun getting to know you and I'm just very, very excited to be here. So 
So my name is Kat Sharp. I am from Southeast Missouri. I grew up in a strong Christian household. My uh, father was a preacher for, since I was about second grade, just retired a few years ago and was really brought up in a home full of love and Christian teaching. And so um, when I turned 18, like many of us do, I went off on my own path and decided I was going to do things my way, which included walking away from God's will for a time over a decade. Through that time, I did um, get married. I had two amazing, wonderful children, and the youngest of which just graduated from high school last week. But I married a man who was emotionally abusive, not understanding at the time I was young and immature. And I didn't realize that he had some mental health issues and he, he didn't know. I didn't know we were just very immature and neither of us handled that very well, but I, I was in an emotion, emotionally, excuse me, abusive relationship, which led to some very deep, dark depression times for me. And I found myself binge eating pretty well all the time. Several times a week, I would find myself binging on foods that weren't nourishing, that they were quick to grab, usually sweet things like brownies. And pizza was my savory choice, but otherwise it was pizza and cookie dough. Those were my, or um, brownies and cookie dough. Those were my things. After a time, I did finally leave my husband and started the path to healing. And through that, I made some good friends, made some new friends who were pointing me towards Jesus and eventually did return to church and into God's will and started studying the Bible fervently. I was hungry for the hope that I knew was in Jesus. And, and I had been saved as a young child. I recognized that I had walked away and that he was the solution, but I still didn't understand yet that I had this habit of binge eating when I had a bad day. And when I say binge eating, I mean, I would make the brownies and eat the pan, the whole pan, one person in that one evening. And I would eat to the point of making myself sick. And honestly, I thought it was just something wrong with me that I was just fat. And that's the way we did things. That's what I thought. Not realizing that it didn't have to be that way. Our church had started a new recovery ministry and I'm part of our praise team. I love to sing. I consider that my primary ministry. I, one of those things you feel like you're born to do is, you know, to worship my savior. And so I was excited to help out in that ministry um, through music. You know, I helped lead the worship and just kind of supported that ministry. What I didn't realize God was using that ministry for my heart not just as support, but he was actually speaking truth to my heart. And I was hearing our attendees talk about their substance abuse and their addictions to legal and illegal substances and activities, hearing them say things like, I promised myself I would never use unless I was with other people, or I would only use on weekends, or I would only use this much, but never more than that. Or I would only use this thing, but never this thing. And as I'm sitting here listening to these testimonies and these stories, I realized that I had that very same relationship with sugar. When I had a bad day, the only thing I thought, the, the only way I thought to comfort myself was with food. And whatever plans we had for dinner were thrown out the window. It was pizza and brownie night. And sometimes we would do that multiple times a week, depending on how bad the day was. And as I'm hearing them tell their stories, I was seeing myself in them. And I remember thinking, but that can't be right, God. It's, it's just food. It's, it's legal. There's nothing wrong with that. We need food for nourishment. And I was making all these excuses and, and kind of building protection around this habit that I didn't want to let go of yet. I did all the things you know to do, right? You know, I emptied the cabinets of anything that might tempt me, you know, anything that might be tempting in a, in a bad day. You know, I got rid of all the snack cakes and I got rid of all the chips and I got rid of everything that you might use to make brownies. And, and I got rid of all those things just because that's what you're supposed to do. Because I'd made a deal with myself that I'd only eat sugar when there was a social event, when I was with other people, you know, I'd had these excuses and, and built protection around the excuses. And I had a bad day, a really bad day at work. And I remember opening up the cabinets, every cabinet door. And in this 
heat of the moment, very quick and fast and just pulling things out of the cabinet as fast as I could get them. You know, you see like the cartoons where people just reach in the cabinets and start throwing things behind them. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I was just throwing things out of the cabinet thinking there's got to be something in here. There has to be something in here that I can eat. And I got on my stomach and like belly crawled into the very, very back of that cabinet to where I could touch the wall. Things I hadn't seen in years and found a Ziploc bag with a little bit of powdered sugar in it. And it had less than a quarter of a cup, just a little bit. And I dumped it in a bowl with just a few drops of milk and I uh, stirred it together and I ate it with a spoon. And I cried and I cried and I was so ashamed. I thought, Lord, how did I get here? This cannot be healthy for my body or for my soul. This can't be right. How did I get here? And I cried myself to sleep that night. Through that recovery ministry, the Lord started to speak truth to my heart that I was trying to medicate negative emotions with things that were not of him, that I had this hole in my heart that was God-shaped and I was trying to pour food into it to the point that would fill me. And there is no level that will fill you. There was no level of food or brownies or pizza or cookie dough that could fulfill me. I learned over time that I had created not only an idol out of the sugar because I was turning to that sugar when I needed emotional stability, which is what we're supposed to go to God for that. You know, he is our strong tower. He is our refuge. And I was going to food, but I had also built a stronghold out of it. I had built up protections around that habit. Like, no, I'm not giving that up. I'm not giving that up. No, that's too important. That's, it was my identity you know, that this is the way I do things. And this is just who I am. You can't expect me to tear that down. And I did eventually commit to a life of no sugar. At the time, I thought it was forever. I thought I would never again have added, have sugar again. I went without added sugar for three and a half years. And I did start to feel that freedom of, okay, cat, you know, that I was in a healthy place at that point. And, and I was very, very resistant to allow it back in my life because, but God, what, what if it's not okay? What if I'm still chained? And, and what I was learning was one, I was chained to sugar and through going without it and, and seeking him in times of emotional unrest. And so what I learned that process was I was, I had become a control freak I had decided I had to be in control all the time and everything had to be my way. I was extremely territorial because I wanted everything to go my way. So I started to see all of these things through giving up sugar. And so at the end of it, and I'm starting to feel that release, like, okay, it's time that you, you're, you're in a healthy place now. I was afraid to, because I was afraid that I was going to just run right back into it, you know, jump face first off the, <laughs> off the wagon into a plate of brownies, you know. He showed me that I had almost created, this was becoming an idol, that my life without sugar was becoming an idol, that I needed to get back into the habit, into the, I had to learn the lesson of seeking him even when sugar was available, if that makes sense. But what a journey. <laughs> I ended up losing a hundred pounds over that time. Nothing teaches you more about the way our heavenly father loves us than actively every single day, dying to self in the little tiny behaviors. And that's what it was. You know, we, we hear that phrase, that term, die to self, and, and we think it means the big things. But every single day, we have hundreds of opportunities to choose a better way over our fleshly desire, what I call my default setting. I learned so much about the way God loves us so much about discipleship and, and how his way really is better. And I know that what Jesus did for me secured my eternity, but look at what it has made possible in my life as well. And look how many people have been touched by what God has done here while I'm on this earth. And so it has just been an amazing experience. Amazing. So many things. I was trying to keep quiet to let you talk because I wanted to be like, yes, yes. And amen. Like so much of that just resonates 
even just to me personally, not, not even as a whole, but so many times I know there were, there have been times, I mean, I don't ever claim to be perfect, my goodness, but you know, I mean, I can relate so much to the emotional eating and that feeling of, well, this is just how it's supposed to be. So I might as well just eat the entire tub of ice cream or the entire package of the Hershey kisses because they're delicious. And, (laughs) you know, and even though I knew that your body craves what you feed it. So I was feeding it sugar and it was just craving more sugar, but man, that can be taken on so many different other levels spiritually. You know, what we feed our bodies mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that's what it's going to crave. And so, you know, that thought of you saying, you just thought this is just how it has to be. And, and also thinking, (laughs) coming, coming up with those excuses of, well, but it's food and we need food, but that's exactly probably what an addict does that is addicted to other sources of pleasure. They think, well, it's just this, or it's not that bad until it's completely overtaken. The other thing that stuck out to me was you talking about God putting you in a place in the, in that church on that worship team, thinking you were there to minister to other people. And, and he was like, yeah, well, yes, I'm going to use her to minister to other people, but little does she know, like I'm coming in and cause I'm coming after her because she's worth it just as much as the people that she's trying to love on too. I am curious, like, were there areas where you first started? Like, I know you said you threw out all the things, but then was that like in a one day thing? Did you just do it immediately or, and did you feel like that worked? I did try the phases, you know, I would clean out everything in the house and I would only have, you know, treats occasionally. The problem was that I just found a lot of reasons to have treats, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> the social events and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, we need a game night y'all. Like <laughs> <laughs> what I ended up learning about myself was that I needed to go all in. I needed to have a complete and total um, surrender of this. And so I had decided, you know, once I finally realized this is what's happening, um, I was like, okay, when am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? And I'm looking at the calendar, you know, like picking the day that made most sense to start this, you know, cause we've got birthday here and then, you know, cake y'all and you know, all these things. And, and it was like, I got this challenge. You will start Wednesday. Like it was just very, this, this Wednesday was jumping off the, the calendar page at me, like huge, big, because that was day we had our recovery meetings. And it was the very next recovery meeting. Like it was in just a few days. And so I did, I walked into that meeting and I said, today is, I will never, at the time, I really thought that I was surrendering the rest of my life without sugar. And I said, no more sugar starting today. And I got my chip, you know, and and I still have my chips. I do. I keep them in my jewelry box to, to, to look at. And and it's just a reminder of this, this process that the Lord took me through. And but it had to be all or nothing. And um, that is something very interesting. Some people do really well when they give themselves um, a little bit when they, you know, I do better with hard lines, hard boundaries of the edge of this is the end of the world. You know, like you cannot cross this boundary and other people don't do well with harsh lines like that. But it's interesting, you know, God made all of us very different with different personalities. And it's one of the beautiful things that I think we're all made in his image, yet we're also very different. And I just love that. Um, I, just, I just love that about our Lord. But the one thing that I used to say all the time is just, that's just the way I handle things. That's just the way I am. That's just who I am. And through this process, I had to learn to redefine myself based on what God said about me and what I was doing. I was defining myself based on my human tendencies and not the description of my new creation that the Lord was giving in the Bible. And so those things of no, no, I'm a control freak. I'm in charge. I have to be the boss. That's not the way God designed our families, you know? And so that was one thing in particular, I was very convicted during that time that I was trying to run our household instead of allowing my husband to be the the spiritual leader of our home. And so that was one thing that changed drastically. Um, During that time, I actually left my full-time well-paying job. I was the main breadwinner for our home. 
And um, during that time, I was led to leave that job. I mean, just so many, my life is completely turned upside down. And a friend of mine said she was a, a Christian sister who I remember being so surprised by this. I said, I've been praying to know God more intimately because that's what I wanted. I wanted to know him. And she said, well, that's great and all, but, but you know, that that means your life's going to get flipped upside down. Right. And I'm like, but won't it be worth it? And she didn't have an answer for me. And I was like, okay, now I'm a little scared, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's always scary when God prunes us and grows us and starts to change us more to the image of his son, because that's what we're supposed to be. But that does require us letting go of some things that we think are important when they're not necessarily. And that can be scary, like letting go of things that you find your identity in, even if you know that it's going to be for the better, it's just that fear. And I do sometimes wonder if sometimes it's also a, a pride issue because, you know, like you're afraid. Well, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of failing at it? Like you go out and you, you know, how many times I, I know I've done it before you, and I've seen it on social media before where people will say, I'm starting healthier lifestyle today. Like I'm at the gym and they post their stuff and then you see them like completely fall away or, um, or it might be back and forth. You know, everybody does like different things, but is it that fear of if I put myself out there and I tell everybody, this is what I'm doing. And then whenever I screw up, are they going to think that I'm a failure or they're going to think I'm a failure when in reality, they're probably not even remembering that you were doing that, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I think sometimes that fear is the fear of rejection. And then it comes back to a pride thing and an ego thing, because everybody wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to be liked, even if, even for people that say, I don't really care if people like me or not. I mean, nobody is okay with just being hated, you know, everybody likes to be accepted. So I, you know, I know that for me, there were so many times there have been so many times where you are afraid to put yourself out there, even if it's something that, you know, is for the better, even if you know that it's your calling for your life or a conviction that you have, but man, it, it is so much better to follow through with that conviction because if you can get to that other side, you're like, oh, okay. Now, like I can breathe again. And then, and then you do like, you don't care as much. You might still care, but you don't quite care as much because you have that peace of knowing that you are where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. I mean, you just spoke to my heart so much because, you know, yes, I have lost a hundred pounds, but I still have a long way to go before I'm at what is considered a healthy physical weight. You know, I'm, I'm on my way there. But it's so easy for Satan to make me feel like I don't yet have anything to offer because I'm still an overweight woman. Right. You don't have anything to offer because people are going to take one look at you and say, what do you know about emotional eating? Like literally wrote the book, yo, like, <laughs> you know? but, and, you know, but Satan has a lot to gain from, from keeping God's women quiet right. because if he can make me feel like I don't have something to offer and I don't tell people that this one habit, this emotional eating habit encompasses so much. My entire life was changed a 180 degree change through this one thing. And if I don't tell people about that, how many other people are stuck captive to a habit that they don't realize has the power to transform their lives. And so in, in one of my um, VIP groups, one time we had a, um, a phrase that we said, you know, we would, because we always answer the excuses with God's word that you can use, you know, affirmations and positive talk and stuff like that all you want. But if they're not based in truth, I feel like our brains call bull crap. And so we always try to answer excuses with God's word because it's always the truth. And so we would throw out, you know, a scripture and then it'd be hashtag stuck on that Satan. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> and sometimes we get real bold. And then other times, you know, like before this, I was like, do I really want to do this? You know, <laughs> do I really want to, you know, get on this podcast and tell people my story? But it's so important because that whole, this is just the way that I am thing. I refuse to let myself say that anymore. As a matter of fact, my husband has been given permission. If he hears me say that's just who I am, he has permission to say, uh -huh. but 
<laughs> so now I say that may have been who I was, but I'm not anymore, or I don't have to be anymore because the beauty of being a new creation is I don't have to do things the way that I used to. And that includes anything that was my fleshly human default setting. I'm a new creation now. I am not bound by any of that. And so that is just so powerful. And I never would have learned that had I not gone through that emotional eating process with the Lord. You know, and the Lord knows that we are human. He created us. So he knows those struggles that we're going to go through. He knows what we need as individuals. I love what you said. And I completely agree that yes, we are all the human race, but he has created us both like him and unique. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. It always is interesting to me, especially like in the past year or so, it's been interesting to see the way that the Lord has like kind of given me little nudges. And I think that that goes back to, you know, seeing like the little things, they don't necessarily have to be big issues. People think, well, I'm doing okay because I'm not doing whatever it is that they're finding on social media. That's causing the biggest drama at the time, you know, and, or they're like, well, or they come up with an excuse. Like we were talking about like, well, I can't do that because of this, but if you are coming up with excuses and I've talked about it actually in previous episodes about, is it an excuse or is it a conviction? And if it's a conviction, then you better be doing something about it because that conviction, you know, you don't want to mess with that. I mean, uh-uh. it, it might be hard. Some convictions I don't think are necessarily quite as hard as others, but they are pretty significant ones that they are scary. And to someone else, they might not seem that big of a deal that you feel convicted about, you know, and vice versa. So something that you feel convicted about, I might be like, um, well, I do that and I don't really feel anything. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that one person's wrong and one person's right. It's just two different ways of the Lord dealing with them. So I just think that it's, it's great whenever we can kind of find like that common ground of saying, you know what? Yes, this is a struggle for a lot of people with emotional eating. And it, it's kind of like, um, whenever I first started really changing my eating habits and I was eight months pregnant with my daughter, I was miserable and I was introduced to plant-based nutrition. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that fruits and vegetables are good for you, like mm-hmm. common sense, but I didn't realize how powerful it was. And then I started really learning more about it and started changing those eating habits. Now, again, not perfect. I'm with you on that. Like I am, you know, you don't get toxic and overweight overnight. So that's right. <laughs> even if it takes you the rest of your lifetime, just stick to it. And whenever you mess up, you come back and you do it again. And, but whenever I started seeing those things change in my body and in my health, I thought, man, it would be selfish of me to not share this with people. And some people are going to get it and they're going to accept it. And other people are going to completely shut themselves off for whatever reason. But those people that we can change their lives, even if it's just literally one person, I've said, if there's only one person that listens to my podcast, but it makes a difference in their life, then that makes it completely worth it. If it's one person, if, if, if it's one mother or individual that says, I'm having a really bad day, I'm going to listen to this and they hear it and they're like, oh, I feel so much better. I feel so encouraged. Then it's completely worth it. So I think it's just people need to be a little braver sometimes, you know, just stepping out there. Speaking of being brave, I'd like to, uh, <laughs> I'd like to ask whenever, when was it or, you know, how did your journey of healing with the emotional eating, how did that progress into what you're doing now? You know, when you lose a hundred pounds, people notice. Sure. And so, yeah. (laughs) And so, um, I had started work with a, um, a multi-level marketing company, which I still love very, very much. That was very instrumental in my own journey, as far as giving me some tools, some, some practical tools to use in my day to day. And I connected with them for, for quite a while and had some, some good results on the business side, but I found myself really, really wanting to dive into the word of God with my, um, with my customers and with my clients. And I kept, like you said, you know, feeling that conviction and 
there are certain regulations, you know, when you're partnered with another company because they have their own policies and procedures that you do need to adhere to and, and makes complete sense. I, I completely respect that. And so after about two years of the Lord telling me that I needed to teach this from a biblical standpoint, um, I finally did submit. It was about a year and a half ago when I, I'm trying to think of the year, it would have been um, October of 2019 when I finally submitted. January 1, I ran my, or probably second week of January, I ran my very first Bible Christ-centered weight loss program and um, with a group of women. And I have never done anything more rewarding. It was just incredible. Um, the women there were women I'd known for a long time and just so many aha moments in those women that agreed that this was what had been missing, you know, and what I was trying to do before, because there are so many weight loss programs out there. The problem is that the human brain, we will only ever behave in a manner that lines up with who we think we are. And until we can retrain our hearts and our minds around what God says about us, we're not going to stay consistent. And so I pretty well don't teach the, um, you know, the actual weight loss. I, I, I'm not a, phys, uh, a fitness physical trainer. I am not a nutritionist, so I don't give specific nutrition advice. I say, let's go to the word of God and, and let's spend some time in prayer together and let's see what, where the Holy spirit is leading you. Because like you said, everyone is different. And there are people who um, respond really, really well to different types of plans that don't make any sense for me. And, but whenever we are treating our bodies as a precious limited resource that we've been given to steward, and we are allowing the Holy spirit to show us where we need to be. That's when we see results and what I consider peaceful weight loss, weight loss as a, as a science is really not all that complicated, but we complicate things whenever we bring in emotions and expectations and comparisons. And why can't I do it the way she's doing it? And all of that stuff, we make things complicated and we try to put man's wisdom onto the creation of the Lord. God made my body. So I'm going to ask him for guidance. And, you know, you mentioned food is absolutely important. It's absolutely vital to, um, to life. But we in 2021 in the United States, we don't really eat all that much food. We eat food like substances. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yes. um, that's my, my primary conviction when it comes to the way that I eat now is how close to real food is it? Because, um, my body is better nourished whenever I feed it food. And there are plenty of times that I give it things that are not as nourishing, but they have great flavor. And I'm just going to tell you, I love me some Doritos. I love Doritos. <laughs> this is not an ad for Doritos. That's but, right. <laughs> um, and so that's one of those things that occasionally we bring into the house as a treat, but I feel better when I feed my body food. Like you said, plant-based nutrition, some people get it and some people don't. And when I was completely avoiding sugar and people were asking me, are you saying it's a sin to eat cookies? No, 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 no. It's not about the cookie at all. It was about my heart. And if God hasn't told you that you can't eat cookies, girl, eat cookies. I don't care. Have some for me. <laughs> yes. And so, um, it's, it's just very interesting, especially in the South where we like to show love to one another through food. And so people will literally feed me the object of my addiction on a silver platter. You got to try this new pie. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. But no. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I had, um, I don't know if it was us talking about the other day or where I heard it, but you saying that it's so true about, especially like in the church, we're all about like, you know, having the church get togethers and you have all the, you know, carry in and all the food and it's homemade and it's delicious. And then it's so ironic of what we're eating and putting into our body. But yet, like you said, we only have one body and we need to be taking care of it. I actually, my son and I had a, com a really short conversation about that just last night when I was tucking him in, he was talking about how his back was feeling sore from being at gymnastics. And so his muscles were sore. And he said, I said, you know, joked around about, do you need a new back? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Like 
we've only been given one body. So you need to treat it with love and care. And it was a back and forth. It was a good conversation, but it was also partly we were joking around as well. And I was like, because he said, well, why can't you give me a new one? And, you know, and I'm like, well, because I'm not God. So if you want a new body, you're going to have to take it up with him. But But back to the whole, like the church, but even not in the church, like you said, in the South, and there are certain, you know, just ways of life that people live that it's expected. And if you veer from that, I know whenever I first was like really getting into changing my lifestyle, whenever we would have Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those big family get together holidays, I would bring stuff with me that I knew was a healthier choice. And so then I would either eat what I brought and not anything else, or I would eat mostly my stuff and then have a little bit, you know, finding that Mm -hmm. balance. And I really got picked on. So, which it's fine. I've learned to have some thick skin and they just didn't get it, but I had to do what was best for me. And I have had people say, well, similar to what you said, like, well, it worked whenever I was growing up or like, I've never had issues with that or I eat that and don't have a problem. Like, okay, well that's fine. If, if it doesn't cause issues with you, then do, do you, and I'm going to do me (laughs) and we can all feel happy together. But if you're not feeling good about your body, like if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling cloudy in your judgment, if whatever's going on, I mean, if you don't want to change, that's your choice, but Mm -hmm. I'm trying to better myself and take care of myself so that I can then turn and take care of other people. Yeah. Well, and interestingly enough, a lot of times we don't realize we don't feel good. Right. Until we start to feel better. And then we're like, whoa, (laughs) that is so so true. That is so true. I know I had, um, I didn't realize until I started taking out things like gluten and dairy that all of the pain and bloating and fatigue that I was feeling was based around that. So whenever Mm -hmm. I cut it out, I was like, it's not really going to do anything. I just cut it out because That's what the thing was that we were doing at that time, thinking it's probably not going to do too much. And man, made a huge change. And I was like, I did not realize that I could feel this good about myself. I like physically, I had no idea that it was possible because again, I thought this is how I'm just destined to feel the rest of my life until I got convicted about taking care of my body. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, well then I guess I better clean up my act. (laughs) (laughs) You did touch on, um, I was going to ask you talking about the Bible and, uh, you know, looking at what the Lord says, you know, like, I feel like you probably have more knowledge on this than I do. So could you kind of touch on the whole idea of like what the Bible says that relates to this with us? As far as taking care of our physical bodies. Yeah. Um, And that is a very, very interesting um, question. And the reason why is that if you take a look at the Mosaic law, how much of it was centered around taking care of the body around what they could and could not eat about how to clean themselves um, after certain times of life, certain um, events that happened, even how to interact with others and how often to do that. and, And all of those things, it's very, very interesting that the heart of God it seems from the law that was given to Moses actually shows that he does care about the health of our bodies because now science looks back at those laws and says, huh, those actually helped the Israelites live longer, healthier lives. And so um, while I don't feel like, I mean, my interpretation of the new Testament is that the law has been fulfilled. We're no longer bound by the law, but I think that we get a really great glimpse of the heart of God. And so that's why I started to be convicted not just about the sugar thing, but then through that process, learning that just the way I take care of my body is important to the God who created it, because I can't do the work that honors him if I do things that make my body feel bad. And so, you know, I mentioned, I love Doritos. If I eat Doritos every day, I end up very, very sluggish and brain foggy and selfish. And I want to watch Netflix all day long. And I end up being very negative and sarcastic and selfish. And the idea of serving somebody else makes absolutely no sense to me. That's stupid. I, I, I want no part of it. And whenever I feed my body healthy foods, whenever I eat vegetables and lean proteins, and I exercise regularly, I am 
full of energy. And I'm like, Hey, let's do this. And I will never forget the first time I was able to participate in a church camp for, um, it was in the middle of nowhere, no cell signal, no internet, porta potties, you name it. Like we were there for a week. They had bussed in children from, um, the inner city kids who never got to go to the woods, who never got to swim in the lake, you know? And, and so, um, working with those kids and I'm running and I'm jumping and I'm playing games and I will never forget. I think it was the third night I'm laying in my bunk with this little thin mattress and crying, just praising the Lord. I never could have done this a few years ago. God never could I have looked in the eyes at that little girl and who was asking me, about, we were teaching on the armor of God that week. And so she had all kinds of questions for me. Never could I have gotten between two young ladies who were in the sixth grade that one had hurt the other's feelings and they were very angry at one another. And I got to sit and help them reconcile and talk to them about the love of Jesus. Never could I have been able to do that a few years before. And because the Lord had convicted me of my habit of emotional eating, my body was healthy enough to serve him and glorify him through this week-long camp. And my girls got to go. It was an amazing experience for me as their mother, maybe not so much for them. They were teenagers and their mom was on the trip, but whatever. There are things I've been able to do that I never could have done before. And I just, I I have a friend who, um, she, she wasn't saved until she was, um, an adult and she had been married and divorced before she was saved. And she had been in a, it it was a difficult marriage and and they were married, you know, 20 years, like a long time. It was a very difficult marriage. And when she was saved, she said, I have never felt joy before. I thought I'd been happy, but I had never felt joy before. And so she started living in a way that other people thought she was crazy. She went skydiving. Um, She went, I mean, doing all these crazy things. And she said, I am celebrating being released from fear and slavery. And I am living in a way that shows people what the freedom God has given me. That's what she was doing. And so this woman, she loves to skydive because Jesus, I mean, that's her, (laughs) that's her whole life. And I just love it. And I'm like, it just makes me happy to talk to you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I love hearing stories of the ways that different people are able to just live their life in such a different way, whenever they have had a change in their spirit and it has manifested in other areas Mm -hmm. of their life and to be able to, what a fun conversation she will have with people and what a, a really cool opportunity to be able to share Jesus because somebody's going to be like, you really like skydiving so much. What's the deal? And she can say, well, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about it. Skydiving for Jesus. That could be a thing. Who knows? Yes, <laughs> I joined that club <laughs> for real. For real. I actually have that on my bucket list of things to do because I've lost my mind. So why not? But I've never oh. done it. I would love to. Girl, yeah. you got to call me. My husband has okay. done it once. He wants to do it again. So, oh my goodness. Yes. We, we need to do that. That'd be so yeah. fun. Then we could get together in person. <laughs> That'd be great. See, it's like, I love, I love the internet sometimes because yes. yeah. Cause you just meet these people that you can connect with and, and yeah, have lifelong friendships with. So absolutely. Um, so I guess on a serious note, not really serious, but, okay. um, could you share some strategies maybe that we could kind of chat about like how in the world do we have tangible tips that we can actually move in a positive direction for those of us that struggle? Absolutely. Um, number one, remember who you are and whose you are. The very first time that I was researching and and learning about what the Bible says about me, I had a very, very hard time believing it. And so what I started doing, like I, I literally said, "I'm, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that anymore that doesn't make sense to me. And so I started praying and studying who God is, the attributes and the characteristics and the names of God, because the more I know about him, I felt like that was a a better path for me. And what I learned was the more I understand who God is, the more I trust what he says in the rest of his word. And so the more I believed what he said about me, that I was loved, I was chosen, that I was cherished, that, that I'm a joint heir to the kingdom of heaven. Like 
I didn't believe any of that stuff before, but once I got to know him on a deeper level, that helped. So if you really struggle to believe what the Bible says about you, start reading what the Bible says about God, because that's a great starting point. And if you're not real sure how to do that, you can seriously just Google the names of God and start following the scriptures that are mentioned. And you'll read where that comes from. Always remember who you are according to the one who created you. So when God says these things about us as his children, he's serious. And that doesn't mean that I have to be that way. That means I am and I get to be. It's a privilege to behave as the new creation that he's created me to be. Um, Secondly, remember, and this is a real, real big one. It is so easy to hide in shame to keep it hidden that I can't believe there's, this is wrong with me. This is something that I'm the only one in the world who's dealing with. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. And there is no shame, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus that yes, we, we are convicted, but convicted conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation is all about how horrible you are. And conviction is all about how amazing and loving our heavenly father is and how he wants to reconcile you to himself. And so don't let Satan trick you into believing that there's something wrong with you and you will never get free of this because that's not biblical. Always, always be prepared and expect it. Temptation is normal. Everybody faces it. My favorite passage about uh, temptation is actually in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where it says that Temptation is normal, common to man, but God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. And he always, always, always provides a way out. So anytime you are tempted, you can be promised that there is a way to get out of it. You do not have to cave to it. And so the coolest thing about that is that I I know I have a choice. I don't have to, even though sometimes it feels like that temptation is on you like a, a weight, you have a choice. And I just love, love, love that, that my Bible has already promised me there's a way out. I just got to find it and I can take it. And, um, I, I'm a huge fan of the sticky note. And if you could see my wall, oh my word, I have scriptures all over my spaces in our house. And when I was at the beginning of this fight against emotional eating, I had scriptures everywhere. I would print out pretty scriptures that said things like there is a way out, you know, from first Corinthians chapter 10, things like, I am chosen. I am a joint heir. I am a new creation, all of those things everywhere. And the reason I did that is because emotional eating had become a mindless habit. It was just something I instinct instantly did. I would be halfway through the brownies before I knew that I would done it. Like it was just the thing that happened and I had to get myself out of autopilot. And so I call them speed bumps, make it harder to get to the thing that tempts you. So if you have a particular habit that just seems to happen. And before you know it, you're elbow deep in the, in the Doritos, make it harder to get to it. So put it, and I use like the really bright colored sticky notes, super, super bright yellow, um, or bright blue and bright pink and things like, um, I believe it's from first, first Peter one, three, I don't know. His divine spirit has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And so I have a sticky note now above my coffee maker so that I don't drink coffee all day long. Cause I love it. <laughs> You know, you know, when you get tired and you're like, I need a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't need a cup of coffee. I just need to get up and walk around a little bit. Right. But I do. I have a sticky note that says I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that really hits me now is I have everything I need. I don't have to go hunting for it outside of God. I've been given everything I need. And so what works for you, that's what you need to do to put those guardrails, those speed bumps. So get it out of the house if you need to, um, Tell people around you that can help hold you accountable. If you know that this is a conviction for you and you want to commit to this, you need to bring people in. We, I could talk about this all day long, but that whole, you know, the church is a community and we need to lean into our brothers and sisters and say, I need your help here. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be perfect, but there's a reason that there are sponsors in recovery programs because we need each other. I used my sponsor more than, well, she was technically my accountability partner because she'd never given up sugar, but she was my accountability partner. And when I needed her, I would call her and we would pray together. And that's what, um, that was such a help for me, such a help for me. 
well, I, again, I wanted to say amen a few times and, (laughs) you know, and, and just say like how beautiful it is to hear because those strategies are encouraging. They're not meant to, you know, prevent you from enjoying life. They're meant to Mm -hmm. help support you and hearing those things. It's, it's been such a huge thing for me too, on a personal level with knowing who God says I am, who does God say I am because I'm his. And those words of I am chosen, you know, that just, just keeps on like coming back and coming back. And, um, and so whether that's just for me or if it's for listeners, I don't really know, maybe it's for everybody, but maybe the whole world just needs to know because we are chosen and having that knowledge of who we are and whose we are. Like you said, I mean, it's like, whatever you said, I was like, yes, exactly. Like that's what I've been feeling so often. And, um, and it's so, it's just an encouragement to hear someone else basically kind of affirm how, how you feel, or, you know, maybe where you've been leaning lately or something like that. So, and I'm a firm believer that people that are supposed to hear every episode, whatever episode it is, they're the ones that are supposed to hear it. So the, the people that listen to this episode, it is for them, whether now or in the future or to share with somebody that they know, I have no idea. And that's not for me to figure out. I don't know if you watch the chosen, do you watch the chosen? Okay. I love the chosen. (laughs) We might have to talk about this after we're done with the recording, but um, but I am behind, so no spoilers. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, it's so good. Uh, my mom and I had a really good conversation on the phone yesterday, all about the latest episode. Um, <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. I'm going to need you to watch it and then we can discuss, okay. <laughs> but I, I don't even remember where I was going with it for that, but, um, but talking about like the chosen being used for being a vessel because, uh, Dallas Jenkins, the head, I don't know if he's the writer. I don't know what his technical title is, but I follow him on Instagram and I, I'm just going to throw this out into the universe because God already knows my heart, but I would really like for him to be on the podcast one day. And I know that right now I'm like a super small person, but the thing that he and his wife have put out there is that what led them to creating the chosen and being in a scary position of, you know, we want to do it right. We want to do it justice, yada, yada, yada. But the Lord told them, he actually told Dallas's wife first. And then it was confirmed through somebody else, like at a midnight hour. It's crazy. The whole story is out there on the internet, but, but that the Lord told them you provide the fish and bread and I will lead the 5,000 or I can't remember the actual words, but it's basically Mm -hmm. that idea of just bring your loaves and your fish and I'm, I'll take care of it. And so I feel like that can relate to so much, whether it's what we are called to do to change lives of other people, or whether that's changing in our, in our lives personally of what the Lord is convicting us of doing he's not asking us to do anything else than again, just to know who we are and whose we are, bring ourselves hot mess and all, and just be willing to be open and to be used and do what he tells us to do. We can say we want to be used all day long, but then if we're not willing to do the things that he wants us to do, and sometimes that means addressing those things that we don't really think are that big of a deal because we think it's just a small thing in comparison to somebody else's issue, then we're going to remain stuck. And I know that I just, I love what you're doing in your niche, I guess is what you would call it. Um, I think that it is such a needed and necessary thing to get out to women, to individuals. And even if it's somebody that, you know, they don't know the Lord, but this is a way for them to realize that there is more to their life than who they think they are right now and where they think they are right now. And I just, I just feel so blessed to even just have met you much less have you on the podcast. Like it just makes me feel all like, you know, mushy, but, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> but 
speaking of that, do you, speaking of mushiness, um, (laughs) (laughs) so I don't really know how mushy this is, but I do want to make sure to talk about this, about, um, the conference, the hope, health and healing conference. Um, I'd love for you to share just a little bit about like what that is and, and when it is and why that's important. Um, in Branson, Missouri, in August, the 20th through the 22nd, um, Braveheart Workshops is hosting an event called Hope, Health, and Healing. And it's essentially three days of speakers coming together and sharing their stories of times that they felt hopeless and how they felt hope and eventual healing mm-hmm. to health through Jesus Christ. And it is, I've already talked to some of the other speakers. There are some speakers who are delivered from uh, slavery, from actual human trafficking slavery in the United States that have been delivered and are now praising the name of Jesus um, as they speak and share their story. Um, There are women who have been um, drug addicts, imprisoned. There is a, um, a young man who was in a terrible, terrible accident. And now he has been healed and delivered. Um, So many speakers, I think it's 18 speakers over three days. And it's, it's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience of praising the Lord and um, seeing possibilities. And I know that sounds so crazy, but, you know, at the end of this, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and the, the lockdown that we've been under. And I live in a state that didn't really have very many regulations and it was hard on me. And so it's an exciting time to get together again and to celebrate what Jesus has done and share that hope with other people who may not yet see the light out. And how can they, how do they, how do we find out more information about that? They can go to braveheartworkshops.com and um, it'll be under events. It's, I believe it's actually on the homepage, but um, braveheartworkshops.com. And that is August 20th through the 22nd, right in Branson, Missouri. So right in the center of the country, it's good place for anybody to come. That's fun. I really am. Whenever we talked about the other day, I, I wrote it down and I was like, I'm going to be intentional about seeing what I can do. Cause it's not like it's that far away. And then, you know, maybe we can go skydiving. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll just, we'll just make a three day thing of it. We'll do all the things, but, um, and then well, I have to tell you, I'm being super, super challenged. I'm speaking on the 20th mm-hmm. and moving my daughter into college on the 19th. So, <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, that that's Jesus is just going to stretch you like a oh, rubber band. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be all emotional and be everybody will say, oh, she's so moved by the, you know, <laughs> sharing and no, she's really moved because she just, her daughter just went to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So speaking of you, I would love if you could tell everybody how to find you. You can find me at catsharp.com at C-A-T, easiest, easiest word in the English language, um, catsharp.com. And I do have what I call my free emotional eating toolkit. It is a list of some of my favorite scriptures that I would pray over um, my life, my experience, my journey, some of my favorite truth that I could lean on in the hard times. And also there are several images inside that toolkit that you can actually save to your phone as like, you know, emergency 911, you know, have as a phone background or even put them in a folder and flip through the scriptures quickly when you need them. Um, Cause you know, we're not always just sitting around at home. Let me go get that PDF, you know, so <laughs> And, and that actually pops up on the main screen, um, or you can go to catsharp.com forward slash emotional eating. Well, great. I'm just, I just love this conversation. I feel like I just could talk about so many things. So we might have to do this again. I would love that. <laughs> I love talking to you. Hey, I love talking to you too. I'm like, I was just so looking forward to today. I was like, let's just, I can't wait to talk to Kat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. It's been such a joy and just a blessing to have you on here. Um, I know that it has spoken to my heart. And so I am sure that it is speaking to those that are listening. And I just really appreciate you and what you're doing. And we'll definitely be praying for the Lord to just continue to bless you and use you in all ways. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. I've had such a good time. I don't know about you, but I so enjoyed that interview and I gathered wonderful, helpful tips and thought processes and enlightenment. And no matter where you're at in life, whether you struggle with emotional eating 
or you struggle with self-esteem or you struggle with an addiction or you struggle with just fear, whatever your struggle is, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained encouragement that no matter what your struggles may be, you can still accomplish great things. I'm hoping this podcast finds those needing encouragement, support, or community. And if that's you, you found a friend. Hi. If you know of someone who would enjoy being a part, I'd love you to share it with them. I hope you'll continue showing up as we find the good together. Remember, you are loved and I am glad you're here. See you next time.